Welcome in to TYT's Indisputable. I am Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who is out probably enjoying his holiday season. And I hope you have too. And today I'm going to be joined by the incredible David Schuster, <laughs> who I'm sure you all know. David, thank you for coming in. Oh, Adrian, it is it is my pleasure to be on with you anytime, anytime. Awesome, well, we're gonna rock this as a Rebel HQ show. And we've got so many stories to tell, some of which, you know, are heartbreaking and some of which just you know, indicate that justice still must be done. So first up, we have a story coming out of Los Angeles where you had a 14 year old who was killed by a stray police bullet. She's 14 and he was she was shopping for a dress. Now, I want you to look at her picture here. This young lady, if you can go ahead and put the picture up on the screen. She was at North Hollywood Burlington store when they fired on her. The fitting room she was in, her name is Valentina Oriana Peralta. She was killed by an officer's bullet that passed through the wall of a dressing room where she was found dying in her mother's arms. You know, the young teen, she was at the store shopping for a dress for a quinceanera, a huge celebration for her and her culture. And the thing is, is that we have to ask ourselves, did this stray bullet just show up out of nowhere or is it the fact that we have issues with LAPD, maybe using weapons in places that are highly trafficked by innocent citizens like this child here? So let's talk about what is out there in terms of NBC News. We have this understanding that police say it's unclear if the suspect who was also killed by police was armed with a gun because basically the police were in the store to pursue the suspect. One hasn't been found in terms of a gun. And Los Angeles police said that they received a radio call about an assault with a deadly weapon shortly before noon at the store, which is located at the intersection of Laurel Canyon and Victory Boulevards. Now, when police arrived at the scene, they encountered a suspect who was in the process of assaulting a victim. That's what LAPD Captain Stacy Spell said. That's when police opened fire on that suspect in that store who was subsequently taken into custody. The LA Fire Department later pronounced the suspect dead at the scene. And the authorities said that they found a metal cable next to the suspect whom police officers were confronting, but that no gun was recovered. So we essentially get this claim from police saying that there was an assault with a deadly weapon going on during the what holiday season in an extremely busy shopping center there in North Hollywood. And the police show up, there's no gun recovered in sight, but they decide to open fire. And we also want to talk a little bit about the background right now based on what law enforcement is saying is going on because this shooting happened during what police are calling a rise in shoplifting. And so what we do know is that robbery, burglary and theft are down in Los Angeles compared to 2019. But according to the latest crime data from the police department, and in a recent weeks, police have indicated that those types of crimes are rising, pointing to incidents involving smash and grab shoplifters who descended on high end shopping districts at the height of the holiday shopping season. But, you know, even claiming that this is a very violent and dangerous season and that there's a crime wave, the fact is that the critics at, you know, of LAPD say that that's not necessarily true. And so what we have is the fact that these smash and grab incidents, while alarming, have been happening for at least the better part of a decade. They argue the incidents have yet to create anything approaching a spike on a graph and are being used to scare residents, lobby for officer raises and decry justice reform. We're not saying crime doesn't exist. That's what was said by Richie Serendenko, an organizer with the People's City Council, a coalition of social and climate justice organizations. We're just saying the cops own stats don't match their narrative. 
And they definitely don't seem to. And as a result, we are seeing police running up into very, very public situations. And we have a loss of life here by that 14 year old. David, what are your thoughts? Well, Adrian, I have a lot of questions that clearly the police at least are, are not answering. And that is when they put out a statement that says, okay, well, the suspect was engaged in a, an assault against somebody. And that's why police opened fire. Well, what kind of assault? Did he have a knife to the neck of the person that he was assaulting? Was he strangling them? Was that person almost dead? Or was it just like a fist fight? Because it matters because what they've done now is they've decided no, it was a life or death situation. So the police open fire and yes, they kill the suspect, but they also kill an innocent girl because a bullet goes through the wall. I mean, to me, the fact that the police would only say that it was an assault in progress suggests this was a terrible, terrible, reprehensible action by the police. That this idea that you shoot first and ask questions later can, can cause the loss of innocent life as we saw in this case. And I mean, you tell me, it, to me, it seems like there's a, there's a negligence case, a huge negligence case against the police that's waiting to be filed in this by the 14 year old's family. Yeah, absolutely. The fact is that they rolled in their gangbusters. It's the holiday season. This is a highly trafficked store. I know this store in North Hollywood. The fact is that there were a lot of civilians around unarmed. And just like you said, David, this thought that this gentleman was armed, but was it with a deadly weapon or maybe was it with a coat hanger? Like the thought that you needed to open fire in this store that is populated with people, including children during the holiday season. You can't tell me that's reasonable. And that yeah, will and be the standard. Go ahead, yeah, David. And to me that, you know, not only is it, I think it's you're absolutely right in terms of the, you know, the standard is as it is and the police failed to meet the standard, their obligations. But to me, this also gets to this whole idea that there's something about police culture, this idea of having to use brute force. They are trained to overwhelmingly use force, lethal force without much thinking about it. And to me, that's where all these problems come that if the police had just thought, okay, let's think for a second. We're in a highly trafficked store. There's a lot of people around here. There are a lot of innocent people. Is this person really in a life or death struggle with whoever he's, he or she is assaulting? Um, and to me, if there was just that pause, if they were trained in either de-escalation or tactics about how to, you know, how to stop somebody without using lethal force, was there their opportunity to use a stun gun or, or something else? And and to me, without even trying those steps, it just seems reprehensible. Yeah, and the fact that what you're seeing officers use lethal force to protect property. What, you're gonna protect a pair of discount shoes at Burlington Co Factory? Get out of here. That's not even legit or reasonable in any way. What kind of society are we that we think that someone should take a bullet for taking some shoes? Like, I, I don't even see how this could be reasonable in any way. This thought that, oh, there's an increase in a wave of shoplifting when the numbers actually don't support that at all, as opposed to they're being manipulated and used to justify acts like this that are reckless, in addition to getting more funding for police departments. We really have to think about what we're doing as a society. And one good thing that is coming out of this, even though justice has not been done, is the fact that there's a GoFundMe. And if we wanna put that up now, there's $24,000 just about has been reached for the family of the victim, that little girl, Valentina Orella Peralto, who lost her life. She was shot and she was killed, whether intentional or not. It was reckless and she lost her life in that Burlington Coat Factory. So if you would like to donate, please feel free to give. I can't imagine what her family is going through in this holiday season, knowing that they lost their child shopping for her quinceanera dress that she will not wear. She will not make it to her 15th birthday because the LAPD decided to go gangbusters in a heavily trafficked department store in North Hollywood.
Let's go ahead and move on to our conversation next to one of the predicaments of the holiday season. Pretty much just Candace Owens and her nonsense. As we saw just about last week, Candace Owens had a sit down with Donald Trump and she was caught off guard when, hey, the former president thought he would educate her on the legitimacy of vaccines, which is not something that she had expected necessarily. And I don't think any of us expected that, but she got a mouthful and she, of course, had something to say about it. So check out this video here. Are good, and he believes that because he comes from a generation like people you oftentimes forget, like how old Trump is. He comes from a generation I've seen other people that are older have the exact same perspective. Like they came from a time before TV, before internet, before being able to conduct their independent research, you know, and everything that they read in a newspaper that was pitched to them, like they believed that that was a reality. And one of those things was, you know, this push for vaccines and believing that people were gonna die without vaccines. And so I believe that his support of the vaccine is genuine and it's not based in any corruption at all. I, I think he actually believes those things. And people that are saying, how is he ignoring all the people that are being injured? And, you know, people are sending rumble videos and all of these, you know, websites, obscure websites. I believe also that he only reads the mainstream media news, believe it or not. I do not believe that Trump reads um, or partakes in any other news sources. Um, you know, I don't believe that Trump is on the internet or, you know, that he necessarily uses, like, you know, the, the web to, to try to find, you know, obscure websites. I think that he just relies on, you know, typical mainstream sources. So I don't think that there's anything evil going on there. I just wanted to say that because so many, Donors, supporters of his have are kind of like questioning where all of this is coming from. And I think he just genuinely believes that. Um, and he needs to sit down and, you know, have a full conversation with someone. Um, I'm in, I was interviewing him in that circumstance, but he needs to have a larger conversation um, to really understand what's going on. Uh, good old Candace Owens doing that damage control for her anti-vax movement. So David, how does this hit you? This is crazy. I mean, she's complaining because Trump will not engage in the conspiracy theories that he might be able to be susceptible to if he simply was more savvy on the internet and looking into the dark corners where people make up their own minds about the vaccine. The fact of the matter is vaccines save people's lives, boosters save people's lives. Nobody is saying, and Donald Trump is, in fact, he's not saying, oh, you won't get the, you won't get COVID. He's saying, if you get COVID, most people who have been vaccinated and boosted, you'll get a mild form. You won't get the deadly, the lethal symptoms that could kill you. There are, but whereas the, the odds show you're like 30 times more likely to die from COVID if you don't have the vaccine or if you don't have the booster. It's that simple. And, you know, people like Candace Owens, they can play around with the numbers. I guarantee that if you gave 100 million people penicillin, you're gonna find a couple people out of 100 million who are gonna have a terrible reaction to it, like any drug. You discover that when tens of millions of people get exposed to something, there's always gonna be a very, very small fraction of people who will not react well. Just as there's a very, very small fraction of people who get any kind of vaccine who don't react well. But that's not proof that everybody should therefore not get the vaccine in order to, prevent, in order to protect yourself. It's crazy, it's insanity. Yes. Oh, absolutely, and it's interesting that Trump gets it, and uh, you know, but it's totally on uh, on point or on character for Candace Owens to essentially try to counter Trump's uh, logical 
and you know very factual statements about the vaccine. It's just so interesting how Trump decided to actually be presidential and actually act right in a moment in which he is not a president. But I think the reality we have here is that Candace Owens will continue to try to manipulate, make things up, promote anti-vax movements, whatever she can to continue to get the coins and collect them in her pocket. But clearly Donald Trump is not necessarily on her side, which is very fun indeed to watch. And, and the, as, politics of this is, is, the politics, as I say, Adrian, is also fun. And, and I'm dying, dying to ask, ask you about this because there's this whole theory that Donald Trump is being reasonable, that he's saying all the right things about the vaccine and the booster because he now wants to moderate himself in order to appeal to particularly to women in advance of 2024. And I have to confess that when I saw Donald Trump's comments to Candace Owen and what he said to Bill O'Reilly, it seemed very reasonable. I was like, yeah, I think he might actually save some people's lives. This is sort of the old Donald Trump that people sort of liked back in the day. Do you think that's what he's doing and, and does it work? Yeah, I, I, I do think that's what he's doing. I don't think he had a change of heart. I think he had a change of strategy. And so the fact is that Candace Owens wasn't prepared for that. She thought he was gonna stay on the crazy train. But I think Donald Trump is getting smarter, which is hard to believe. But I think he is getting smarter if he realizes that, hey, he wants to get back into power, that he's going to need to convince people that he is not all that January 6th crazy, that he actually does have some moderation and wisdom in him. But I think we all know it's just a farce. But you know, Candace Owens, it still is, you know, always good and heartwarming to see, you know, her essentially get popped in the mouth. You know, <laughs> proverbially, of course. And she, and she definitely got that for sure. Yes, she did. <laughs> yes, and there is a GOP uh, member of the Rhode Island Congress who is out there essentially getting popped in the mouth on uh, social media right now. That's the minority leader of Rhode Island House of Representatives, Patricia Morgan. She put out some pretty much blatantly racist tweets, and one of them is trending right now. Let's put it up right now and let me know, let me know your thoughts on this. So she posts. I had a black friend, I liked her, and I think she liked me too. But now she is hostile and unpleasant. I am sure I didn't do anything to her except be white. Is that what teachers and our political leaders really want for our society? Divide us because of our skin color, hashtag CRT. David, I know how I feel about this and all the dog whistles. Wow. I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, my thoughts is what is it? The old Mark Twain quote that it's better. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Near Eastern sort of quote about better to remain silent and have people think that you don't know what you're talking about or that you're stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I mean, this person should not be tweeting. Should not should not be speaking. Lord knows how she got elected to any sort of political body. Rhode Island, maybe that helps explain things. But no, she's. She's a disgusting person, um, and you know, the, it's bad enough that she would think about this. Mm -hmm. But to me, it takes it to another level. When not only do you think this, but then you actually believe it so much that you would put it in writing and find that somehow acceptable. I mean, what are you teaching people? This is, I mean, this is this is embarrassing, and I feel badly for all the for all the good people in Rhode Island. You don't need to be represented by this nonsense. Seriously, like her constituents, I really hope that they're not truly a reflection of her, because this is like it's just massage noir galore. I can't begin to tell you the things in here. Saying her black female friend, and I use friend loosely because clearly they ain't wearing friends. But saying she's hostile and unpleasant, get out of here. How many times? Why don't you just say she's aggressive too? Like, come on, these are things that are always said about black women because they're essentially these little dog whistles that want to tell you, I don't like you and I'm threatened by you because you are black and you are a woman and you need to know your place. Like, get out of here. This representative is full of nonsense. And this isn't the first time she has been full of nonsense. 
sense. Back in October, she tweets this. In the 60s, before Johnson's Great Society, 80% of black children enjoyed two-parent families and a better standard of living. 70 years later, it is the opposite. Now 80% of black children live with only one parent. And now we are told two patent, I'm sure parent homes are racist. Once again, it's like playing on racist tropes, and it's just this shows you who this person is. And you know, check out this because back in April, she had this to say about voting rights laws: Why treat the black electorate like helpless children? It's clear that when blacks are sufficiently motivated, they have little trouble meeting the same requirements that other groups meet and casting a vote. Oh wow, Patricia Morgan really has it in for the blacks. Like get out of here, she continues to show us who she is, which oh my God, I would say it's just straight racist, David. Oh no, she's a total racist and what to me, I mean, I guess there is a benefit, right? To people like this being able to have a platform and being able to speak because it's it's easier to spot people who are racist. In other words, they're not just sort of hiding, they're putting it out there for all of us to see. Everybody who has any questions about Patricia Morgan, you don't even have to talk to her now. You don't have to read any of her previous historical writings if she has any columns, whatever she might have had in the past. Just look at her Twitter feed, she is full on racist. And this doesn't belong on Twitter, it certainly doesn't belong in the Rhode Island legislature. And I would hope that you know, if we had any sort of shame, her political party would excommunicate her and say, no, nope, no, nope, it's okay, we don't need you serving in our party ever again. Yep, that would be very, very nice. But hey, you know what we're seeing from a lot of these leaders out here is the fact that they are either remaining silent or they're backing these individuals who are the problems. But I definitely hope that Patricia Morgan gets whatever help she is in entitled to and what she needs because she shouldn't be representing people, let alone using her platform to promote racism and racist tropes that continue to keep us divided. But we definitely have more for you and you are going to enjoy it. We've got a Karen, a new one in the friendly friendly skies up there. And we've got a lot more for you in terms of change and the justice that lies ahead. As Dr. Richie would say, stick and stay. And it's Adrian Lawrence, and you're back with TYT's Indisputable. And you know what? 2021, it has been a year that's promised to be better than the last. But let's be real, it probably wasn't. Anyways, but we could take at least a progressive look back at that year. You can join Jank, John Adarola, Dr. Rich A, and Senator Nina Turner as they crown the ultimate Turk and Jerk of the Year. That's tuning in tomorrow night, December 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. That's at tyt.com live or YouTube. Also, are you looking to offset your carbon footprint? Maybe be a little bit more sustainable as an adult? Well, now Aspiration Card holders can partake in the Plant Your Change program. Double your impact by rounding up your change and planting an additional tree with every qualifying transaction. If you already have an Aspiration Spend and Save account, you can just log into the profile, go to Manage and Enable Plant Your Change. And even if you're not an Aspiration Card holder already, you can still plant your change. Just get started by clicking the orange Get Started button when you visit Aspiration.com slash TYT. And well, it's the conversation. I think you've seen me on it a few times. And today it is live at 530 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, excuse me, at TYT.com backslash live. And that's before the Young Turks. I want you to make sure you subscribe and watch all of the interviews at YouTube.com slash TYT conversation. And also after Indisputable Today, you can go to Twitch.tv dash TYT. 
to catch Deep Dive with Jordan Ewell. That will be an exciting show. And also, it's been pretty exciting for those out there on TYT.com. For the TYT members, let's check out what Mickey the Silver-Haired Dragon says. Well, he said, man, that was at least 30 feet away. No danger to the cop, no taser, no baton, no rubber bullets. Oh Wait, those are only for peaceful protesters. With that video, let's see the cop say he feared for his life. Yeah, that seems like something indeed. And it seems like he's probably referencing that shooting that was in the Burlington Coat Factory that took that 14 year old girl's life. Tech Stan says, wow, Candace Owens is working overtime, making sure the rubes don't wake up and end her grift. Of course, you know, it's a holiday season. Candace has some grifting to do. YouTube Super Chat, Jason Cruz says, before you put up the picture of a cop or a Karen, can you flash a picture of Betty White? I mean, that's what we're all thinking. I have checks. I guess we're all thinking about Betty White because she what just turned 100 and she's pretty awesome. Chaplain Fred said, hi, David, Miss Lawrence, one of my chaplains and I got called to provide emotional support as LAPD chaplains. We're also going to help bystanders. Thank you so, so much for the work that you do. I have known a few chaplains over the course of my life who work with police departments. And so your work is so incredibly appreciated. Thank you. Early Bird 42 says, if the suspect is actively engaging in assault, wouldn't shoot at them also risk the life of the assault victim? You would think, and thanks for the $4.99 donation. Stoneflyer Dragon with that $5 hookup says, wow, those sure were some words, Candace. Yeah, Candace Owens always got something to say. And the vast majority of the time, it is not, what is that rational, logical, or commonsensical? Anyway, Joe Shalom says, Trump isn't getting smarter, are you crazy? He just wants credit for the vaccine, obviously. Thanks for the $5 and the very truthful statement. Very much appreciated. And Dale Gribble said, Adrian is on fire emoji times three. Much appreciated. I very much appreciate that for sure. Twitch, Progressive B says they definitely should not have fired, but he was assaulting people in the store. A taser and an arrest was the appropriate move. Indeed, if he didn't have deadly force, why did those officers in North Hollywood think deadly force was acceptable? And Yeetwood Max says, I'm so sorry on behalf of Rhode Island. She genuinely is talking about that member of the legislature. She genuinely doesn't represent us. I've legit not heard of her because our Democratic reps are so much more vocal and active. I'm glad to hear that. All right, thank you so much for that time and all that you've shared. And now we are going to share a little with you of Karen's. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday. You're gonna feel free, back off.
those skies were not friendly with that Karen. Oh my goodness. She is definitely a special individual. And you know what? I think she's having a very special experience based on what we know in terms of the aftermath of what happened. So according to the Atlanta Police Department, the disturbance happened while the plane was in the air, as you got to see. Passengers and Delta employees were injured during the disturbance, APD said. After arriving at Hartsfield-Jackson, officers met the flight at their gate. After talking with employees and passengers, the woman was taken into custody. FBI agents also responded and took over after that. The FBI is investigating and hasn't announced any charges. But I think many of us know that when you act up in FAA territory, you could always end up facing some very, very steep penalties and fines. And this is according to 11 Lives legal analysis, 11 Alive. This from Jessica Brown and Don White. They concluded that she could be charged with a felony by interfering with the lawful duties of not one, but two, I think maybe three flight attendants because they had to restrain her and continually ask her to stop. That's according to Atlanta prosecutor Daryl Cohen. And he said that she is potentially facing both misdemeanor and felony charges. She might also face criminal charges for assault and maybe battery. That's according to federal defense attorney Tom Church. My understanding is she punched him, scratched him, and spit on him. I think each of those individually can be a criminal charge, a criminal count. Yeah, I can tell you that yes, definitely. That definitely seems to be a waged assault on this gentleman as well as the flight attendants and essentially feeling the need to continue her assault on him and thus fighting against them. David, how does this feel? Well, I mean, look, it's bad enough that anybody's got to go to Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, literally the busiest, the craziest airport in the world. And now at least for everybody on that flight, they had to deal with that crazy woman and that guy gets scratched in the eye because of some argument over masks. Um, this is just a, this is just a pathetic. And you know what, I guess wisdom, the words of wisdom is, well, as soon as we get to Atlanta, you're going to jail, as the guy said. Well, yeah, she's probably going to jail, but it's what a miserable experience for everybody on that plane, particularly for the flight attendants. Again, and it gets to this point that there's something in the air. Maybe it's because of COVID the last two years, maybe it's because of flying during the holidays, but there's something that is that is causing people to literally go insane in front of us. And that's why, you know, and we all have our phones at the ready whenever we travel now because we know that the, tra- the pressures of travel can be so much for some people that it brings out the racism, it brings out their hatred, it brings out their bigotry, and it brings out the fact that some people simply do not have any judgment. And if you're gonna yell at somebody for not having a mask and you've got your mask pulled down to your chin, you don't have any judgment and you're not doing any credit to people who do want people to wear masks. No, exactly. And the fact is that I think you're totally right. People are out here acting up. And you know, we don't necessarily know, is it the pandemic? Is it people being housed inside, people dealing with the social justice changes? Or people just having to confront the reality of the fact that we don't necessarily know what our future will hold in terms of all our health and safety. I don't know, but I know a number of us still know how to act. It's just, hey, we have these individuals out here who do not, including that Karen on that flight. But apparently there has been essentially an uptick of problematic passengers, as many of you happen to know as we saw what Southwest cut their alcohol service. And so one thing we have definitely seen from the FAA is a trend. And there's been a report from the Federal Aviation Administration. It states that as of December 21st, there have been 5,779 reports of unruly passengers and 4,156 mask related incidents just this year. And as we come to the close of the year, we know that there potentially could be far more as we're seeing this what Omicron virus continue to spread and essentially requires to shut down a number of things. But hopefully people can, you know, hopefully shut down the Karens.
But we do have an update for you and one that is in the uptick direction in terms of something good. But unfortunately, as far as I'm concerned, it's not good enough. So it's the case of Rahul. Rahel Aguilera Medeiros, that's a truck driver who was sentenced to 110 years in prison for causing a crash that killed four people when his brakes went out. He was not under the influence of alcohol or any intoxicants. He did not act intentionally at all. He is simply a truck driver who had his brakes go out. And we've seen that since he was essentially sentenced to 110 years in prison, there's been significant outcry. And now a district court judge has essentially set a hearing for resentencing, really opening up the possibility that potentially this man could possibly get up a get a portion of his life back. We know that during a scheduling conference yesterday, the district court judge Bruce Jones set a resentencing hearing for January 13th at the request of first judicial district attorney. That's essentially the prosecutor there, Alex King. King plans to ask for a new sentence of 20 to 30 years, she said. And we'll talk a little bit about this sentence, but to give you a complete recap of the situation here. Aguilera Medeiros, he was found guilty of 24 charges in April 25th, 2019, from the crash that killed four people on Interstate 70. The 26 year old Cuban immigrant was not charged with driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Rather, his brakes failed on the high country route, according to the testimony he later gave investigators. The sentence sparked an international outcry and led more, more than 4.9 million people and counting to sign a change org petition calling on. Colorado Governor Jared Polis to grant Aguilera Madero's clemency or commute his sentence. Now Jones said during the original December 16th sentencing hearing that Colorado law left him no choice but to deliver the 110 year sentence due to the requirements that sentences for crimes of violence run consecutively. So essentially they're running one after the other and not at the same time. According to Jones's interpretation of the law, that was the minimum amount of prison time he could assign to Aguilera's Madero's. And the thing is that this is problematic because even if we're looking at a potential of 20 to 30 years, we have to remember this man is a truck driver. His brakes went out. He had no control over the situation whatsoever. I don't believe there was any finding that he was negligent and not caring for the service of his vehicle. That this was a matter of something that happens to truck drivers, which is why there has been such a significant outcry. Also, the thought that there'd be 20 to 30 years potentially of his life. This man is a young father and it is very problematic. And even the judge recognizes that. The district court judge, that's Bruce Jones, he said he has some doubts when it comes to resentencing. Jones expressed some trepidation about the prospect of a resentencing hearing before the case could be appealed. Aguilera Madero's lawyer have 149 days to file the appeal, he said, which they haven't done yet, which is understandable because they don't want to enter the appellate jurisdiction while they're trying to get a resentencing. So the deadline for Madero's and his legal team to appeal is 49 days after the sentencing, which would technically be January 31st, 2022. Madero's also has up to a year from the December 13th sentencing where he got 110 years to file a motion under Rule 35B for the judge to reconsider his sentence. Now that motion I'm sure will be filed, but in the meantime, even having a prosecutor recommend 20 to 30 years, this isn't, this isn't right, David. 
Yeah, it's not fair at all. I mean, he, as you pointed out, he didn't own this truck. It was not his truck. He was essentially just using it to transport materials. Where's the owner of the truck? Where's the person who was responsible for checking the maintenance and the brakes and the engine and everything else? That is the group that needs to be held accountable. This guy is gonna live for the rest of his life knowing that he was involved in an accident that killed a family of four. That's enough of a burden on any human being. You don't need to add to it by giving him 20 or 30 years. I think the governor should commute his sentence. And, and the folks in Colorado should focus all of their prosecutorial authority and resources on going after the owner of the truck, the people who were negligent for the brakes. That's where the outrage should land. It shouldn't be on this poor guy who was just doing his job to the best of his ability. Absolutely, the fact that this 26 year old Cuban immigrant who is a father was driving a truck that had failed brakes, this happens. That's why they have those what roll away docks on the side of the trucking routes just in case your brakes fail and you have a problem. And you know what, the thing I, I do appreciate seeing is so many people rally and the truckers to also come together and interfere with interstate commerce saying we're not going through Colorado. If this is what you're going to do to one of us, you're going to do it to all of us in the event that this tragedy happens to us. And the fact is that essentially the sentence needs to change, that society needs to change. And we've got to get away from this penal system that does not allow for actual justice to be done. All right, we will be back, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable, Adrian Lawrence, and let's hear from the people. So we have TYT members. Trinity, aka Frosty Dragon, says she spit on him during a pandemic, referring to that Karen. Yeah, she did. How gross is that after she's telling him put his mask up? And Mickey, this Mickey C, the silver-haired dragon, makes the observation. He says, I read that the man had his mask off because he was drinking. I hope that they press every one of those charges against her. Her mouth was bad enough that she turned violent against the flight attendants and the man. Totally agree with you. If the fact that he was taking a sip of water or maybe just you know crunching some pretzels or nuts and she responded that way, yeah, no, she she really needs to have the book thrown at her. YouTube super chat, uh, ex Duval County with that five dollar donation. Thank you. It's not funny, but now you're double going to jail. B word, almost took me to Jesus. Yeah, it was pretty comical. That man, that man, he he was there. He was he knew what he was doing. He was there for the crowd. Non human humanist with that five dollars. Thank you. There was. In the reporting that the company had a story of getting fines for neglecting brake maintenance. This company's boss needs to get charged, absolutely. If that is accurate, where this company, the one that owned the truck, had a history of that, this man is more a victim without question than anything. He could have died as well. It's wild out there, but hopefully the justice system will actually render justice. And the homeless forester says, this is why millennials are mass quitting these types of jobs. Twitch, LaRocco says exactly, company failed safety inspection. So why does this dude still have to get stuck hauling the bag and pay 30 years of his life? That's a damn good question. But I can tell you, we don't have the answer other than the system is rigged against us. And so hopefully there will be change again. But thank you all so much for your contributions and your comments. And let's go ahead and turn to a conversation going on right now that a lot of people believe needs to be elevated. There was a Connecticut young woman here, her name, is Lauren Smith Fields, 23 year old woman. And she's been found dead after she was meeting with an older white man that she had met on Bumble. You wanna put up the picture of Miss Smith Fields. 
She's 23 years old, beautiful young woman here. She was found dead after meeting this unidentified white male through the dating app Bumble. Now what they're saying is that Lauren Smithfields was found unresponsive in her Bridgeport apartment on December 12th after she met an older white man on the dating app Bumble. The man who has not been named reportedly contacted police about Smithfields death and he was not detained for questioning. That's according to Westchester News 12 reports. Lakeem Jetter, that is Smithfield's brother, says that he asked authorities about the man, but was told that he was a nice guy with no need to be investigated. Smithfield's father says the only contact that they had with police is with a very insensitive, condescending, and arrogant detective. Now, this is something that a lot of people will often run into when they are members of marginalized groups and they are victimized. The fact is that when we have a potential perpetrator who may be white and male, it's often the benefit of the doubt, the nice guy tactic, the comment. The fact that this is a young black woman who showed up dead, the thought that her life was less worthy of essentially the respect of justice of finding out why she died. And I can tell you that her mother is very upset and also her family members, they want to know why they're not getting answers. And we do know that there are people now speaking out. Councilwoman Maria Peruria says police owe Smithfield's mom an apology. She sent a really well written email, it was lengthy, it was extensive and it was very detailed. And I was shocked when she told me just yesterday she had not even received a response from the Bridgeport Police Department about the investigation that should be going on into their daughter's death. Now Lauren Smithfield's family, they've even paid for an independent autopsy due to the Bridgeport Police Department's poor handling of the investigation. And this is what's being said. Without a doubt, we know that my daughter was not a drug user and I had a second autopsy myself paid out of pocket because we felt so uncomfortable with the way it was handled. That's what Smithfield's father Everett Smith said. And the family is incredibly, as you'd imagine, devastated by this loss of their young 26 year old family member. Smithfield's family says that she was a track star at Stanford High School and was taking cosmetology classes at Norwalk Community College, according to reports. She also ran a side business to help pay for school. This is something that hits me hard personally because too often have we seen incidents where black women, young women, are not necessarily receiving justice, where we can go missing, we can be murdered, and people do not care and people say nothing. And so the fact is that an investigation needs to be done. You cannot hear that this white man who called in her death is a nice guy, that's unacceptable. David? Well, I'm here in Connecticut and all too often I have seen police in Connecticut in several towns simply have this thing called white privilege. Where if it's a white suspect, they give them the privilege of not questioning them, not doing a very thorough investigation and just assuming oh, this person because the victim was African American, she must have died of a drug overdose or something that was their own fault. No, that is not how this case should be done. If if this guy is in fact innocent, if, if the older white man is innocent and if he is a quote unquote nice guy, then he will go to the end 
ends of the earth to try to help this family find out why did their daughter die. He will talk to police, he'll allow everybody to look at his record. He will go meet with the family himself and say why he was interested in a date with this much younger woman to begin with. He will provide every detail and answer every single question that they and their investigators have. In the meantime, the Bridgeport police, if they have any self shame, they're gonna hold this man accountable. They're gonna do a thorough investigation. They're gonna talk to him, they're gonna talk to everybody who was in this girl's circle. And they will reassure the community, which clearly does not have any confidence right now in the Bridgeport Police Department. They will reassure that they're doing everything humanly possible to find whoever may have been responsible if in fact there was somebody responsible for this death. Absolutely, without question. You know, the fact is that we know the studies, research, statistics shows that when you do have a black female victim, that essentially the investigation, the sentencing of a perpetrator, all of the things in terms of how the system handles it, is it's done lackadaisical. That individuals may get or more likely to get slaps on the wrist or it's not going to be investigated at all. And the fact is that this family deserves answers. Just coming to some conclusion that oh, it must have been drugs. That's not only extremely insensitive, but highly racist. And this young lady deserves, she deserves to have her killer or the reason for the cause of death to be determined in a way that is legitimate and reliable. And there's also a young man's death, he also happened to be black, that is recently also making headlines. And that was that 13 year old that you may have heard of who died following an attempted police traffic stop. He was on a dirt bike that crashed after the police tried to pull him over. We wanna put up his picture here. This young 13 year old boy, this is Stanley Davis Jr. He died following a crash after police tried to pull him over. 13 years old, a child involved in an attempted quote unquote traffic stop with police. There is no reason he should have died. And in the surveillance video, it's obtained by WPTV. Davis is seen fueling up his bike at a gas station shortly before the crash. As he pulls out, a police SUV can be seen following him. The teen who was reportedly wearing a helmet collided with a sign in the median and he was pronounced dead at the scene. Police saw the teen, quote unquote, according to the police department, driving recklessly on Boynton Beach Boulevard, according to a statement from that local police department. The teen crashed the bike in the 800 block of North Federal Highway while officers attempted a traffic stop. That's according to police, mind you. And now we have a statement from the police chief. Boynton Beach Police Chief Michael G. Gregory promised a thorough and conclusive investigation into what took place. Now the probe into the attempted traffic stop will be led by the Florida Highway Patrol, Gregory said. The Palm Beach County Medical Examiner's Office will also investigate the child's cause and manner of death. This is according to the police chief there. We have a picture of him, Boynton Police, Boynton Beach, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but that's Police Chief Michael G. Gregory. He says there's going to be a full investigation, but the question is, are we going to get answers on why this police SUV was following this young boy such that he ended up colliding with a sign? We do have from at least NBC News, 
An understanding that once the investigations conclude, Gregory said that his department will conduct an internal investigation to determine if any policy violations or procedures occurred. The officer involved in the attempted traffic stop has been placed on administrative leave, Gregory said. It was unclear Monday afternoon if that leave was paid, however. And Tina Hunter, that's the teenager's grandmother. Well, she's calling out police for essentially chasing down her grandson. And this is what she had to say. That was my grandson, my only grandson. They chased him, chased him. He just panicked because he's just a kid. Chased him right to his damn grave and figured he's just another black boy and ain't nothing is going to be done. That's the prejudice of the Boynton Beach police that we've been having problems for all these damn years. This young boy being chased by police while he is on a dirt bike. For what reasons? Other than what police claiming reckless driving? Come on now, David. I mean, Steve's 13 years old. I mean, again, the police, what were they thinking? He's a kid. You don't just start chasing people and engage in this sort of wild chase and prompt a kid to be so fearful that he's that he's gonna drive so quickly away from you. And to me, this is this is tragic, not just in terms of the personal level, I mean, for this kid's family and for the community. But this is what happens when we live in a society where people have justified reasons to be terrified of the police. When the police constantly behave, when they constantly overreach, when they constantly terrorize men members of our community, of course people are gonna try to run away from them. So this death is on all of us. And until we can change the culture in our society, and until we can make police, I mean, police should be a welcome site for somebody who might be in some trouble, or even if you have problems with the law, you should be able to expect that a police officer's gonna deal with you fairly, that you're not gonna be terrorized, you're not gonna be abused while your handcuffs are on, you're not gonna have your constitutional rights taken away from you. But because that is not the case, because we have so many reasons to fear police, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often where people get killed trying to escape from the cops. And again, for the police to be chasing a 13 year old, I mean, come on, that's just um, you're you're asking you're asking for something horrific to happen, which is what happened in this case. Absolutely, and I don't think there was any indication that the police had sirens on or that they were trying to essentially truly stop him. Although that may be the case where they said it was a traffic stop. But the reality is again, this was a kid that was visible. This is a child. And they saw him, what, fueling up his bike. So who knows what happened in terms of this quote unquote reckless driving, but this is a kid on a bike. He may have lost control, he may be new to being on the bike, but that doesn't mean that he should be chased down. And the fact is, you're absolutely right, David. Some of us do not feel safe. We do not feel that we can actually live our lives free of oppression. And We've been taught and we've seen that the police aren't necessarily our friends. So the fact that that young man lost his life, and hey, you know, it's one thing to say that we're going to get an investigation, but I just don't necessarily know how legit that's going to be. And to me, and also, I mean, the police statement, we heard more from the grandmother about the details of what happened than we heard from the police. And to me, again, that suggests that here we have another instance where police have something to hide. When police issue vague statements and talk about, well, there was a reckless driving incident and the kid ended up dead. No, there's all sorts of details that are missing. And if the police had nothing to hide, they would be completely transparent and say, here's a second by second, blow by blow of what happened. Instead, they issue this vague statement and it's left to family members to have to fill in and say, oh, no, this kid was chased and chased and that's how he died. I mean, the police should be ashamed of themselves. And I, I do hope the police chief is, is somehow doing something to change the culture in the Boynton Beach Police Department and is gonna do a thorough investigation. But this goes beyond Boynton Beach. There's so many communities around the United States where police simply 
chase people, use deadly force, use lethal force, particularly when it's you know minorities uh, on young African American men, and then they ask questions later. And that that approach has got to change. Otherwise, this will never stop. No, it won't stop. And as we've seen in the stories today, we had a 14 year old um, Latina be murdered by police. We have this 26 year old Cuban immigrant be sentenced to 110 years for something that was essentially his company's fault. We have this 13 year old boy die as police come after him. We have this 26 year old beautiful young black woman who is not receiving the investigation into her death that she should be. We are seeing that the inequities of our system Essentially, they befall people of color, people who have the least societal power, people who have been marginalized and held back for so long. And it's just mesmerizing to me how the justice system insists on us continuing to essentially invest in it and to have trust and to faith in it. But I definitely thank you so much, David, for joining us today, having these enlightening conversations. Where can people find you and find out more about you? Adrian, they can find me where they can find you on Rebel HQ. When you're doing those videos, it's on it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, it's one of the channels of TYT, and so people can look for our videos there. And Adrian, like you, I have fallen in love, although it's a love hate relationship with issues of justice over the past year. It is so important that we make progress on justice, and thank you for shining your light on all these stories as well. All right, thank you so much, David, and definitely everybody out there, check us out on Rebel HQ. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, and what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.